Hey, baby. Mrs. Jones, how in the heck are you? I'm well. We shouldn't say heck because our children keep asking us if heck is a bad word. Yes. We're like, no, hell is a bad word. Heck is totally fine. (laughs) And then you often say dang it when you're playing video games. Mm -hmm. And so now MJ is saying dang it. So I said to him today, MJ, we don't say dang it. And he said, oh my gosh. And I said, no, baby, we don't say that either. And he said, so what I say? And I said, oopsie daisy. So he, he looked at me and he went, oopsie daisy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was like, oh Parenting dear. fail. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 65 of Keeping Up with the Joneses. Hope you have had an amazing week. Yes. We had an amazing week. We did. Partly because our kids are back in school. Yes, it was a very full week. Partly because you discovered how to make paleo crepes. Yes. Crepes or crepes? Crepes. I can't even remember how you say it in French. Creepy. (laughs) (laughs) Almost certain it's not that. I'm sure it's crepes. You have always made bananas foster one of my favorite desserts. It's true. But you've never made it with the crepes. No, because it doesn't have to be with the crepes, but... Okay, I've only ever experienced it with the crepes till I married you. Oh. So all this time I've been thinking that you've been shortchanging me on dessert. Oh. No, I usually just serve the banana and the sauce and everything over ice cream. Oh. But being as we're not having ice cream right now, and I could make a paleo crepe, ta-da! Let's talk about why I'm not allowed ice cream. You're not allowed ice cream because you're bad. I'm not bad. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, because we are back on paleo. And... For those people who don't understand what paleo is, give us a quick rundown on paleo. Paleo is no grains, no sugars, uh, no dairy. And the advantage of this is? We both feel much better, less grumpy, and like our brains are defogged when we eat this way. I don't feel that right now. Right now, all you can think about is the fact that you didn't get dessert. (laughs) True? That's very true. And so the disadvantage of eating a paleo diet is you can't eat whatever you want whenever you want. Correct. But that's probably good for our bodies, even if it's a disadvantage in terms of convenience. It is good for my weight. Yes. You lost like four pounds yesterday. I did. One day of paleo, down four pounds. Seriously. I lost just over two yesterday. Crazy. We should probably keep track of our weight then Mm -hmm. and see how much we lose. How long are we planning on doing paleo for? Forever. That's insanity. Stop now and get behind me, Satan. <laughs> On the topic of food, we managed to eat up in Nashville this week. We did. We got to see our good friends Tyler and Annalee. Which and we, was awesome. And we ate at the Butcher Town Hall. Yes. We've heard amazing things about it. It was it was good. I like You're less enthusiastic than I am, and yet you had better food than I did. I did? Well, you had a bigger portion, and for me... Bigger is better. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, I think it's because I tried like three drinks and I didn't like any of them. Right. Did you like the inside of the Butcher Town Hall? It's gorgeous. It's beautiful inside. It won some architectural awards. Did it? I think so. That's not surprising. If it hasn't, it should have. It's beautiful. I think I heard that somewhere. And the brisket is phenomenal. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to go back. And just get a big pound of meat. Give us an update on your shoulder. You, um, had, a, you had an MRI. I had an MRI. And you got it diagnosed. Yeah. So I have adhesive capsulitis, which is frozen shoulder. Which is what I told you. (laughs) Frozen shoulder. And I have an impingement. And I've also torn the labral ligament that goes in through the back of your shoulder. So I've done some damage somehow. 
And basically they're saying the only way to fix it is surgery. And I've had two now doctors look at it and tell me the same thing. But of course my problem is they're surgeons that are looking at it and surgery is what they do. So of course they're saying I have to have surgery, but it may be that it's true. Right. Just because they're surgeons doesn't mean it isn't in need of surgery. Yes. And yet to a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Yes. So I'm just praying and we're looking at one other uh, option to get somebody to look at my MRIs and tell me if they think their alternate method actually would do any good. And if they say no, then we might be looking at surgery. I still think it'd be awesome for you just to get healed. So do I. I'm getting prayer every time I can get it. Because then you have the MRIs to prove what it was like before you got healed. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Let's just jump straight into our main topic this week. Okay. Are you ready? I think so. I want to talk about something. Yeah. Something that's very close to my heart. Yeah. I want to talk about the importance of church. Yeah. I've loved church all my... Well, that's not true. I was going to say I've loved church all my life. It took a long time before I loved church. Mm-hmm. But I loved church before I worked at church. That's an important distinction to make. Same. And I think this week, well, I've been chewing on this topic for a while, but this week brought it to a head because I had several conversations over email, over Twitter, face-to-face, about people, Christians, who've decided they're no longer going to church. Right. And because I see going to church as such a vital part of maturing and growth in your Christian walk, I have difficulty reconciling that life choice with being a Christian. Mm -hmm. It's almost like, you know what? The Bible, too many words. I don't really want to read it. And you're like, what are you going to replace that with? Right. I think for me, it makes me really worried. Like when I hear somebody is, you know, backing away from church or, you know, is just like, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to do church anymore. I'm going to, church is me in a coffee store and whatever. It makes me super, super worried. I think because I've never seen it turn out well. Like I, I've never seen it turn out in healthy relationships, healthy marriages, healthy anything. Right. Yeah. You going for coffee in a coffee store is called going for coffee, not going to church. Right. And it doesn't matter if there's one other person drinking coffee beside you reading their Bible. It's still not church. <laughs> Yeah. I understand the concept of not having been at church because seasons change. You know, you move to a new city, for example, you haven't found a church. Right. You've just got married, you got back from your honeymoon, you're adjusting to a new life, you've had a baby, you've been sick or whatever. So right. I understand. I actually even understand people who have perhaps overdosed on church. And what I mean by that is, Perhaps you've gone away, you've just done a whole lot of missions work, you've come back, you're on furlough. I understand taking a couple of weeks off just, I don't know, to recalibrate. I don't think that's wise, but I get it. Or maybe they've been in a church that's been a toxic environment for right. them or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and it's been unhealthy, really bad leaders, you know. Sure. Whatever, you know, your worst case scenario. I understand people being like, I just need space to regroup. I, mm. get, I get that. But when you've made a major life decision to no longer go to church, I've got some questions for you. The first of which is, what makes you think you can do without the very thing that Jesus gave you? Because it's important we don't forget that the church is actually God's idea. Right. The church is the bride of Christ. Right. 
It's kind of like saying, Alan, I'd really like to hang out with you, but don't bring that ugly hag of a wife, AJ, with you. And right. if you were to say that to me, hanging out with me would be a fairly interesting affair at that point. <laughs> I recognize this is a huge topic. Mm-hmm. And actually, I think if, if the Holy Spirit's up for it, I'd like to speak on this tomorrow night at Emony. And so I'll do a teaching then. And so tonight we're having a discussion, don't really want to do a teaching. Right. But can I throw out a verse for you that I was reading? Sure. In Hebrews 10. Mm-hmm. Love the book of Hebrews. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love the book of Hebrews. It's amazing. Right. Hebrews 10 is all about contrasting life under the old covenant versus life in the new covenant. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, paints a really bleak picture of life in the Old Testament and kind of explains in context the glory of what we've been given through life in Jesus Christ. And it starts in verse 19 where it says, Therefore, mm-hmm. right? So contrasting everything I've just described, think about everything that Jesus has done. Verse 19 says this, So dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rolls over God's house, and then he goes on and said, let us four times, right? So since we've got this amazing promise in Jesus Christ, and since we have this great high priest, which is Jesus, who rules over God's house, which is the church, mm-hmm. let us do these four things. Are you ready for these four things? I'm ready. Number one, yep. let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. Next one, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Number three, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And number four, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Yeah. Here's my point. Not going to church, which is number four, not going to church is as foolish as the first one, which is not entering the presence of God or holding tightly to the hope that we have, or motivating one another to do the acts of love or good works. Mm -hmm. So, like, out of the four things that the promise of Jesus gives us that we are able to do, why pick pick stopping going to church, especially when the Bible says don't do that? Right. Right? What, you know, nobody's like, you know what, I'm done with entering the presence of God. I'm just so over the presence of God. Right. Nobody's like, you know what? As a Christian, I don't really want to hold tightly to the hope that I have. Mm-hmm. I'm not so much into motivating people to do uh, acts of love or good works. Right. Like, that's insanity. Right. The other thing that I thought of when I read this verse is that the church is the perfect context for entering the presence of God. It's the perfect context for holding tightly to our hope and for motivating one another. To say that we don't need church is just absurd. Yeah. But again, I I often wonder like when people say that they're not they don't you know need the church or they don't want to go to church. Right. Many, I don't know if I'd say all, but many of the people that I've seen make that decision um it seems to be a decision made out of hurt. So they've experienced some sort of hurt or disappointment with the church. And so as a result, they've decided to just back away from church altogether. But, and then they start to build like a theology around why church isn't important and why you and me at a coffee store is church and, 
you know, why, whatever, but any, in any other area of, of our lives, if we were building a theology to support a hurt so that we didn't have to face that hurt and, and actually get healed of it, we'd be going, Hey, that's, that's not good theology, right. you know, like, but in this area, it seems like it's becoming trendy to be the people that don't go to church. Oh, so trendy. Mm-hmm. I've lost count of the number of people. And this is all over the world, people I catch up with who've stopped going to church. And the only thing I can think of is, oh, dear God, I'm worried for you. It makes me so worried. And again, all over the world, we literally have friends all over the world that are making that kind of decision. And and they're paying for it. And it, it yeah. breaks my heart. When you say paying for it, you mean the corresponding fruit that you see often just a few years after their decision yeah. To no longer go to church is calamity. It's it's horrible. Um, and it's probably worth noting here, I'm not saying that, and we're not saying, that everybody who stops going to church ends up in calamity. Right. But what I am saying is, every single person I've helped pastor through calamity in the last five or six years, the thing they all have in common is that they all stop going to church. Yeah. You know, it's. I find it interesting that you mentioned that a lot of the people you know who've left the church have been hurt in church. Yeah. I, I find it really sad that that would be a motivation for making a major life decision. Because making decisions out of hurt seems a pretty poor way of living. Yeah. Think about, you know, you were married. Yes. Your husband left you and divorced you. Yeah. If... And obviously you got hurt out of that experience. Yes. <laughs> Imagine you, in that hurt, made a decision not to have anything to do more with men. Right. You would never have met me. Yeah. You'd never have three stinkingly gorgeous children. Right. You wouldn't be on a podcast. Right. You wouldn't have the level of joy you have right now. True. All because you made a decision rooted in hurt. And the thing is, if I lived like that and just decided, that's it, I'm going to have nothing left you know, to do with men right. and whatever... The people around me that love me would say, hey, I think you're making a horrible decision and you're actually making a life decision based on pain. Don't you think you want to walk through this pain? And then that way you could get healed up and and head back towards life. Right. But that's assuming you have healthy people around you. Right. What if you just chose to congregate on Facebook or cultivate friends with other women who'd been hurt or betrayed by men? the input from those people would be like, yeah, men suck. And you could just form this nice little group of friends who all agree with you in your pain, who are completely missing the point of what God would want to do in your life. Right. Little divorce groups. Little divorce (laughs) groups. And yet we kind of see that today in the church. You tend to see pockets of people who are... Church divorce groups. Yeah, who are banded (laughs) together. Like, hey, you know, the church sucks.com. Right. Maybe that's actually a website. But anyway... I think it just comes back to the, it's pretty odd that we would think that we know what's better for our Christian walk than the master who's leading us in our Christian walk. Right. And here is his word saying, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. Like this isn't a trendy new problem. This existed back, you know, when Hebrews was written. Right. Pastor Jeff said something, I don't forget when it was, six months ago. He said, it seems like we're quite content to follow God's will until it contradicts our will. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that's immaturity right there. But it seems to me, as I've been pondering this, that often 
we really like Jesus the Savior a whole lot more than we do Jesus the Lord. Right. And that's a shame because his lordship is what leads us into splendor. Yeah. I think what happens is too often we get saved and then, I don't know, through whatever series of events, we sometimes arrive at this conclusion that, you know what, I'm good, thanks. Like, I actually don't need the rest of what you're offering. I'll just take the salvation and leave any of the stuff that you expect me to do. And when we think like that, we're actually as far away from good as we might imagine. Mm. You know, when we got to Grace Center, we would joke because the prevailing mindset, and this mindset isn't unique to Grace Center by any means, but the prevailing mindset in a lot of uh, secular places is don't tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. The trouble is that don't tell me what to do is now prevalent, not only in secular culture, but also in Christian culture. Right. And it's actually a mindset that is killing us softly. Because the fact is, he's Lord of all. He actually does get to tell you what to do. Mm -hmm. And following him means that you submit to him. His job is to lead. Our job is to follow. He only ever leads us into goodness. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And to state that we know a better route or route or a better destination is both horribly arrogant and terribly foolish. Yeah. And yet I see people willingly and quite proudly making this decision. And I'm like, how did we get to here? Like, this is insanity. Yeah. And these are people I know or people I've taught, people I've led, people I've pastored. And it, I, I'm, you know, I was kind of down today thinking like, oh, please change your mind. Yeah. Yeah. And I think... You know, I, I think when people are out from underneath authority, it's it's it scares me for a couple of reasons. You're you're out from underneath, you know, protection, as it were, when you're out from underneath authority. But also, I remember once talking to John about it, and John said, you know, people that don't have room for authority in their life can't have a Lord. Right. Like, you can't serve a Lord. You can't serve Jesus as Lord if you have no room for the for authority. Well, you'll never serve a king in eternity if you haven't learned to serve a leader here on earth. Yeah. You know that one completely different situation but similar premise is there's a biblical command, you know, honor the honor your mother and your father. Yeah. Well, that command, honor your mother and father is true even if you have bad parents. Right. Right, you still honor them. Right. And people might say, "Yeah, but what if they're not Christians? You still honor them." But what if they rejected me? You still honor them. The instruction is to you, not them. Mm. So it's the same with church. We're told not to give up meeting together, and we're told to encourage one another to meet together. Mm -hmm. But what if church is boring? Don't give up meeting together. But what if my church doesn't do evangelism the way I like? Don't give up meeting together. I mean, the instruction right. is the same, right. and it's just don't give up meeting together. Yeah. I saw on Facebook a while back, um, Steve Long, who's a pastor in Toronto, a good friend of ours, he posted this very clever statement, and it was 12 reasons why I quit attending sporting events. <laughs> yeah, that is clever. And I want to read this because people come up with similar insane reasons for leaving the church. Number one, the coach never came to visit me. <laughs> Number two, every time I went, they asked for money. Number three, the people sitting in my row didn't seem very friendly. Number four, the seats were very hard. Number five, the referees made a decision I didn't agree with. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Number six, I was sitting with hypocrites. They only came to see what other people were wearing. Mm. Number seven, some games went into overtime and I was late getting home. (laughs) Number eight, the band played some songs I had never heard before. Number nine, the games are scheduled on my only day to sleep in and run errands. (laughs) Number ten, my parents took me to too many games when I was growing up. Number 11, since I read a book on sports, I feel that I know more than the coaches anyway. And number 12, I don't want to take my children because I want them to choose for themselves what sport they like best. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> what, what advice would you give for people? Let's say we're mentoring people mm-hmm. and they happen to be all over the world. So they don't have the luxury of the n- numerous amazing churches we have here in Nashville. And they say, you know what? I hear what you're saying. And I love church and I want to go to church, but I've got really bad leaders. What advice would you give them? Well, I mean, I would pray. And if the Lord says you can move to a different church, then find another church, but get plugged in somewhere. I think the thing is, most of the time, the things that we have issue with at our church, they, they'll they follow us to the next church and to the next church, which might mean that the issue has more to do with us than it does to with the church but that's just a side note <laughs> right that's that old adage of there's no perfect church and if right. you find one don't join you'll ruin it right yeah there, i mean seriously there isn't a perfect church and we work for the church and we love the church but there's no perfect church right there isn't but i mean if you're dreadfully unhappy where you are then just find a church that's a great church and go there but get plugged in and, and invest there right pick healed up leaders yeah that's what i would say what about people who'd say, but yeah, my church is, is like weird. It's got weird cultural norms. I'm like, if it's not a deal breaker, suck it up. Like when I go to the movie theater, it has weird cultural norms. There's like really annoying trailers and not trailers, but like adverts, mm-hmm. commercials that Dancing are just popcorn. terrible, <laughs> right? They take forever. And yet I just put up with it. If it was that bad, I'd go to a different movie theater. So there's some churches in Nashville that would be great, Bible-believing, brilliant churches, but I wouldn't want to go to them because culturally they don't fit what you know what I love. But we're blessed and there's more churches in our city than there are Starbucks. Way more. <laughs> Way more. <laughs> but that's what I'd say. If it's not a deal-breaker, suck it up. If it is a deal-breaker, just find somewhere... To get plugged in. To get plugged in. And get poured into, yeah. One of the arguments I often hear is that church is really boring. And my, you know, I love what Bill Johnson says, if you're bored, you might want to check the distance between you and the master. Yeah. But the other thing about being bored in church is it's very, very easy to complain when you have no responsibility. Right. So actually getting plugged in not only alleviates your boredom, but might actually help you change some of the culture from within. Right. Same thing, you know, when people say, I don't like the structure of church. Well, again, my encouragement is don't leave because then you've got even less structure than you had before, <laughs> stay and change it from the inside. Usually, when there's a, a restlessness in your spirit, it actually could be the Lord in the, he's stirring you for something new. It could be that there's a call of God on your life to actually plant churches. How, how like the enemy would it be to get somebody who's actually got a call of God on them to plant churches to actually leave the church out of frustration? Yeah. So don't be an unwitting vessel for the devil. You know, resist the temptation to be disobedient to Scripture. Get plugged in. 
find amazing churches, and if need be, supplement perhaps the teaching that you don't feel like that you're getting. Mm-hmm. But I mean, all those questions would lead me to, to, to ask, like, what's going on in your heart in that area? All right, are you ready for one more verse? I said yeah. I wasn't going to teach, but yeah. I found another verse I love. Okay. Ephesians 4, long being one of my favorite verses. Yeah, it's a great chapter. Okay, it's also written to the church in Ephesus. Imagine mm-hmm. that, it's a letter written to a church. Yeah. If you weren't in a church, you would never have got this revelation. Right. But I digress. Mm-hmm. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Here's a thought for you. If you remove yourself from the church, which some people are doing, then you will not be equipped, nor will you be built up. Right. You instantly stunt your growth when you choose to leave the church. Yeah. Because the Bible says that being equipped and being built up only happens in the church. Verse 13. This will continue, the growing up and the maturing, until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Right. If that isn't a word for the church today, I don't know what is. Right. Because some people will argue, I don't need to be in church because I can just subscribe to this podcast or that podcast or read this blog or read this book. I can just be equipped and I can be built up. But the Bible says, no, you can't. If you try and do that outside of God's plan, which is being in church, it says here that you end up immature. It says you end up being blown about by every wind of new teaching and you'll be influenced when people tell you lies that sound like the truth. Now, I am not saying this applies to everybody, but here is a pattern and a progression that I have seen in the lives of some people who've left the church. Okay. They've left the church. Yep. Then they start questioning scripture. Mm-hmm. And then eventually they question whether Jesus is Lord. If that's not the scariest trajectory for a Christian to follow, I don't know what is. And yet right here in Ephesians, it's saying the antidote to being blown around and being influenced by every wind of new teaching, and oh my gosh, there's a ton of that, is to stay in the church. Yeah. And and I, I mean, I definitely have seen that uh, process or that trajectory happen. Um, I've, I've equally seen the you know, marriages falling apart or the kids falling away from the Lord or, you know, all those kinds of things happening as a result as well. Um, where maybe they haven't actually arrived at, I don't know if I believe in Jesus anymore, right? but their lives are just kind of a shambles. Right. And I think that's what, I mean, for both of us, that's what gets us concerned because right. we've walked this process through with so many people and, it's always when people start down the process of saying, well, I'm just exploring and I'm whatever. And I'm sort of like, why Why would you be exploring something that God asked you not to do? Right. Because that's what makes me concerned. It's like, well, I get it that you're sort of thinking, well, I want the freedom to do whatever. But actually, 
there's some places where the Lord doesn't actually allow us a freedom because me as a parent, I don't allow my son the freedom to put his hand on the burner right. of my stove. Well, I want to see what it's like. No, it's not going to happen. Right. Um, and so sometimes that's how I feel is I want to go, guys, like, why? Why do you want to head down a path that can't lead to anything good? Right. And I wonder if, you know, because we're pastors, we we are connected with lots of people who've left the church. And ironically, once they've left, people leave the church and they don't want our input. Right? Uh, that's the truth. Like, so people, often a lot of the people who leave the church never wanted pastoral input anyway. But what I find ironic is when they inevitably hit calamity, we're the first people they call. Yeah. Right? So perhaps because of our role, we see a lot of this a lot more. Right. But perhaps Probably. if you're just thinking, ah, I'm, you know, what I'm saying is we have the luxury of seeing this timeline worked out. Yeah, it's and not probably really a the average Joe doesn't isn't actually seeing the way that that's working out. Right. Necessarily as as frequently as we are. You know, in a uh, the last verse I'm going to read in Ephesians 16 it says, "Christ makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body, the whole church is healthy." and growing, and full of love. Right. When you decide to opt out of being in the body, you stop growing, and you become sick. And you just took a hand or a nose or something with you. Right. We need you. Yeah. Health and growth is only found in the church. It's God's design, and I'm amazed that people think that they're the exception in that rule. I think part of the problem, babe, is that people confuse what you need to do for salvation versus what you need to do to mature in Christ. Right. Right? What you need to do for salvation is just believe. It's an absolute free gift. Right. Going to church doesn't get you saved. It doesn't keep you saved. Reading the Bible, fasting, praying, tithing, giving, none of that gets you saved. Right. But what happens is we confuse, well, I, you know, I don't need to do that. I'm not under the law. No, you don't need to do anything but if you don't do anything, you'll remain shallow and possibly backslide. Right. You do all this stuff for the benefit and the life and the growth that it produces in you. So salvation is a free gift. Maturity requires intention and action. Right. Somewhere along the line, we think anything that requires intention or action on our part is religiosity. You're like, are, are you kidding me? <laughs> like... What do you think? How do you think you mature in Christ? Pixie dust? Like, I, I, don't, I don't get it. Here's the thing. Jesus is a pretty smart person. Yes. And he has a plan A called the church, and he doesn't have a plan B. Right. If you read the New Testament, take out the Gospels for a second. The whole of the New Testament is about the church. Yeah. It's birthed in Acts. It ends in Revelation with seven letters being written from Jesus to the church. Mm. And everything in between is either letters to the church or about the church or concerning church leadership. Mm -hmm. I, I Instructions. Mean, <clears throat> oh. Yeah, all to the church. And it's all within the context of righteous living within the church. Right. As a church leader on this podcast, I would like to absolutely apologize for any other church leaders who may have hurt you 
who may have said unkind things, may have said controlling things. I'd absolutely include myself in that. Yeah. If AJ and I have ever said anything that has hurt you, if we've ever been sincerely sorry, we would love to connect with you about that and reconcile that because the last thing we would want is anybody to be away from the church, period, especially out of hurt or offense towards us or towards church leaders. But we're jealous for you to grow in love and to grow in fullness and to grow in richness and maturity. And all of that only happens within a church construct. Yeah. I'm fed up of seeing amazing Christians leaving the church, getting tossed around by every new fancy teaching, and then usually shipwrecking their lives. Yeah. Please don't be one of those people. I would imagine lots of people have got lots of feedback for us. We would love to hear it, genuinely. Go to alanandaj.com slash feedback. You can give us all the feedback you'd like. We'd, we'll read every part of it. Um, if we said something you don't agree with, if you said something you do agree with, if you want to tell us your story, we'd love to hear from you. Um, go ahead and do that this week. If you're one of the people that hasn't been in church, can I implore you, can I encourage you, to find a church and to get plugged back in. Yeah, I was thinking like I I get I get getting hurt and wanting to leave. Like I I get that and I you know, I don't know about you babe, but I've been hurt by church lots of times, you know, because there's people at church and everybody's human and people make mistakes, you know. I mean, I remember one time in like 94 when I had a conversation with a church staff member, and they were like, hey, quit your job and start working for the church on Monday. And, you know, you're going to oversee the, you know, this, that, and the other. And I was like, okay. So I totally went and quit my job. And then I came on Monday and they were just talking hypotheticals and I had to go find a new job. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I know. And I was like, I remember being so mad, so upset, so hurt. And but I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm not going to walk away from God. I'm not going to walk away from church. So I went and found a new job and I processed it through with somebody that I did prayer counseling with and I forgave the people involved and I'm, you know, I'm still in relationship with those people and everything's fine, you right. know. But I mean the other option is you know, you, you think about when we've had, we haven't had many huge fights in our marriage, right? but we've had one or two where it's like, I'm yelling at you to get out of the house. You're totally unreasonable in those moments. Right. And, uh, and you're like, or you, you're going, Hey, that's it. I'm leaving. And the Lord says to you, where are you going to go? Right. Like, where are you going to go? And for some reason with the church, we think it's now an option where if we were actually viewing it as a marriage, which it is because we're the bride of Christ you know, married to the son of God, you know, then we would go, oh, there's not actually an option for me to retreat and lick my wounds even. Right. The, the the thing to do is to come back and go, hey, guess what, church leader or whatever, I'm really hurt. Can I work this through with you? You know, and and come at it that way rather than letting it derail your whole life because you got hurt. I'm I'm... I'm not saying you didn't get hurt. I'm sure you did. But but come back and let God bring some healing. If you'd like the show notes for this week's episode, head to alanandaj.com slash 65. 
We hope you have a tremendous week. Yes. Filled with joy, filled with glory, filled with friendship. And we'll be back here, same time, same place, next week.